You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun, in, NASCAR icon, four. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Senator Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. America, the Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, December 23rd, yeah. 2021. Oh, I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is having a great day. And hope everybody is ready for... A little Christmas. That's right. We're 36 hours from Santa coming down that that chimney on Christmas Eve. Be careful. Leave him lots of milky cookies. And what we'll do, because it is so close to Christmas, I think we're going to do a different kind of episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast today. And let me explain, okay? Um, I waited until Thursday because I did figure there was going to be plenty to react to in the world of sports with two really kind of marquee college basketball games on Wednesday night, Arizona playing Tennessee, Kentucky playing Western Kentucky. Then what happened was this. Arizona-Tennessee was kind of a dud. It got taken over by the refs late, a lot of weird calls, and so that doesn't really feel like the game that you want to lead a show with a couple days before Christmas. Same with Western Kentucky, Kentucky. It was done in great spirit. The game came together in great spirit in terms of charity, in terms of raising money for tornado relief. There weren't a ton of takeaways here. And so rather than me just rant and rave about games that don't matter or Texas A&M pulling out of the Gator Bowl, you guys know where I stand on all this COVID stuff. What we're going to do is something completely different today. What we are going to do, I have put together a list of 20 things that I am grateful for in sports in 2021. It's different, it's quirky, but this is the time of year. You don't need serious sports talk, okay? You don't need Torres yelling and screaming about the Gator Bowler, about Arizona, Tennessee. You're you're running around town, you're getting last-minute gifts, you're wrapping gifts, putting them under the tree, you're drinking eggnog uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a quirky sweater. So rather than me yell and scream, what we're going to do is give you 20 things that I am grateful for this holiday season. We'll see how long the show goes. I don't know if it'll be an 18-minute show. I don't know if it'll be a 24-minute show. You guys know me. I tend to talk really long. And so because of it, here they are. The 20 things that I am grateful for in sports this year. Number one, I'm grateful for Jim Harbaugh, and I'm grateful for Luke Fickle. And that's one, not two. That's one. The reason I'm grateful for Jim Harbaugh and Luke Fickle is this. One thing and one complaint that I have gotten throughout the years as it pertains to college football is that the playoff had become a little bit predictable, right? Uh, It had become very predictable. 
every single year. You can bank on Alabama being there. You can bank on Clemson being there. Almost certainly Ohio State. Almost certain. And there was just no interest, no intrigue in college football. And I do think the regular season in many ways was hurt because of that, where it felt like the entire regular season was just a buildup to let's get to the playoff where we get Clemson, Ohio State, we get Alabama, Oklahoma, we get this matchup, we get that matchup, and we get some matchups of real teams. And so I'm grateful for Jim Harbaugh because of the incredible season that he had, what he did at Michigan this year, and the fact that he made Michigan relevant on a national scale, I think is great for college football. I think Luke Fickle getting Cincinnati into the college football playoff, even though they needed a million breaks along the way, Oregon falling apart in the Pac-12, Clemson being irrelevant in the ACC, uh, Oklahoma State losing in the Big 12 championship game, I'm happy that Cincinnati is there. I know the games are on Christmas Eve this year. I know the ratings may be a little bit down, but I think in terms of interest, it doesn't get much better than Cincinnati playing Alabama, David versus Goliath, and then, of course, just two kind of old-school national football brands, Georgia, Michigan. I cannot wait until New Year's Eve where we get some new blood in the college football playoff, and I really do hope, and we're going to talk about some of the other stuff in a minute, But I do hope this is a segment, this is an opening, and this is the window that now schools like Texas, schools like Penn State, schools like USC, schools like Miami, Florida State, whoever it is, that they now believe, wait a second, we can do this too. If Michigan can get to the college football playoff, if they can topple Ohio State, then we can do it too. So thank you. First thing I'm grateful for, Jim Harbaugh. Luke Fickle getting their teams to the college football playoff, not only shaking up the 2021 season, but hopefully going forward, it proves that other teams can do it too. We're going to stick with the college football theme early, and I'm just going to say this. I am grateful that LSU fired its coach in October, and I know that's a mean thing to say, and I I didn't want to see it end that way with Coach O, but once it became, first of all, Coach O is going to be fine. He's in his 60s. He's getting paid $20 million to not coach. We all saw the viral pictures of him checking into some hotel with, uh, frankly, a very beautiful young woman, Uh, so Coach O is going to be fine, and I don't want to see him fired. I wish he wasn't fired. I wish he could coach forever. But do you know how fun it was to talk about coaching speculation at LSU for essentially two months before the hire got made? I mean, go back and think about all the names that we put together with LSU. We started with uh, uh, we started with Lane Kiffin. We started with Mel Tucker. We started with James Franklin. We started uh, got to Dabo Sweeney at one point. We got to Mike Tomlin at one point. We got to Lincoln Riley at one point, and then we end up with a guy that we didn't even think was possible with Brian Kelly. I didn't even mention Dave Aranda. I didn't even mention uh, Matt Rule. But that was about as fun of a story as there was to cover. Again, to be clear, I don't want to see people lose their jobs. Don't want to see Coach O and his assistant coaches lose their jobs. But at some point, it was going to be clear that this was not going to end well. And once it ended, my oh my, was it entertaining. Number three. I am grateful for Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly giving us one of the craziest coaching carousels ever. And I remember talking about it at the time, but most years when these marquee jobs open, we all know what happens. The school just ends up hiring the best assistant off Alabama, uh, Kirby Smart, Mike Loxley, whoever, and then the job gets filled and there are no dominoes and there are no trickle-down effects and there are no this, that, that, whatever, right? And so to go back 
to those hectic couple days when Lincoln Riley completely out of nowhere takes the USC job, when Brian Kelly completely out of nowhere takes the, uh, no, uh, takes the LSU job, it now has this trickle-down effect where, oh my God, Oklahoma has to do its first coaching search in 20 years. Where are they going to go? Notre Dame has to do its first coaching search in 15 years. Where are they going to go? Oh, by the way, Mario Cristobal taking the Miami job. We'll talk about Mario Cristobal in a minute. Uh, but it led to just a fascinating two, three, four weeks in college football. And to me, I'm thankful because it's fun to talk about. It's fun to cover. You guys clearly like it because I saw the download numbers. I saw the YouTube numbers. They were absolutely bananas. So thank you to Lincoln Riley. Thank you to Brian Kelly. Thank you to the ADs at that school for giving us just a completely bananas, insane coaching carousel this year. Number four, here is what I'm grateful for this holiday season. Lincoln Riley going to USC, not just because of the chaos that it brought, but because I truly believe that this is going to be great for college football as a whole, okay? Most everybody listening to this show, you don't have to be 30, 40, 50 years old to remember a time when USC was the best program in college football. It was about 15, 18, 20 years ago. Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Matt Barkley, uh, Carson Palmer. You could go on and on and on and on and on. And so when I think back to that era of USC football, I think back to just a really fun time in college football. And I really do think about how much college football has been missing without USC's presence on the national scale. That's no disrespect to Oregon that's won the Pac-12 a few times. That's no disrespect to Washington uh, that won the Pac-12 and made the college football playoff. It's no disrespect to this year's Pac-12 team, uh, Pac-12 champion in Utah. But I bring it up because it just feels different when USC is a national power. It feels different when you go into a Saturday knowing USC as a top 10 team is going to Notre Dame or USC has that late West Coast game and you can put on a game late at night, pack 12 after dark, and you see the, uh, the, you know, the players running through that tunnel at the LA Coliseum. You, it, just, it just feels different. I can't describe it, and I'll say this. No hire is 100% certain. No hire is 100% guaranteed. But this feels like about as safe of a bet as possible as Lincoln Riley is already cleaning up and recruiting. We've talked about it, but he's got the number one or number two high school quarterback in America committed for 2023. Uh, he's got some of the top playmakers already committed for 2023. Over the last few weeks, he's signed some of the best high school players in 2022. It's going to be a small class, but he has uh, the number one running back in the country coming, Raleigh Brown. He's got the number two corner coming in, Damani Jackson. He's going to add a few other guys he's going to take some guys out of the portal and I'm just telling you it is go it might it's going to take I've said it before I think it's going to take a little bit longer for Lincoln Riley than people realize but he's going to get skill position guys right away he's going to get quarterbacks right away and I believe they are at least going to be entertaining to watch and so a big shout out to Lincoln Riley I think he saw what we all saw in USC which is a ticking time bomb in terms of a program that is about to blow up and I am so happy that they have a real coach. They have a real opportunity to step up. And again, I know I talked about it a minute ago with Michigan, but if Michigan can make the college football playoff, if they can build a team capable of winning a national championship this year, I have no doubt in my mind that um, 
you know, I have no doubt that, that USC can do the same under Lincoln Riley again. The skill position guys are already flocking. The quarterbacks are already flocking. I do think it's going to take a little work on the offensive and defensive lines, but USC is going to get there. They're going to be awesome, and it's going to be great. Kind of in the same vein, I'm very grateful that Mario Cristobal took the Miami job. And look, I, I'm not sold that Mario Cristobal is definitively going to be the answer at Miami and get, you know, it's going to be the 80s and 90s all over again and smoke coming through the tunnel and the orange. But like, it, it's a different world. It's a different era. And a couple things stand out about the Miami gig is, first of all, Mario Cristobal, you know, we, I keep hearing this whole like, well, they need a Miami guy to run Miami. Well, Randy Shannon was a Miami guy, okay? Their, their coach that came after Larry Coker was a former Miami player, former Miami assistant coach, former Miami coordinator from Miami, didn't work for him. Uh, Manny Diaz was from Miami, grew up a Miami fan. And so I've heard this before. Mark Richt, by the way, a Miami alum. And so I've heard before all these guys, oh, my goodness, it's going to be so different. We need a Miami guy. Well, like the last four out of the last five coaches have all had Miami ties, and none of them have worked since really since Butch Davis left the cupboard full for Larry Coker. And so I bring it up because I am still not totally sold that Mario Cristobal is 100% the guy. But what I will say is, it does feel a little bit different with him as the head coach at Miami, and we'll see if he can maintain it. But, uh, you know, National Signing Day kind of got a couple guys to sign. Uh, uh, the day after National Signing Day, he got Jaleel Skinner, one of the top tight ends in high school football, to flip from Alabama to Miami and stay home. And so, again, it's kind of what I just said with Lincoln Riley. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. But they're a little further along at Miami, I believe, than Lincoln Riley is at USC. So I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's definitively uh, – I think it's the right hire. I don't know if it's going to put them back over the top. But I bring it up because it is going to make Miami more relevant, at least for the next two, three, four years. I am grateful for that. The ACC needs a second team to step up. And frankly, they need they're, 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 there is a window, I believe, now for someone to surpass Clemson as Dabo Sweeney has lost a bunch of his coaches, as Dabo Sweeney has lost his AD, as Dabo Sweeney is slow to adapt to the transfer portal, there is a window for somebody else to step up in the ACC, and I do hope that it is the University of Miami. Number six, what am I grateful for this holiday season? I'm grateful for Christmas movies. Let's get off sports for a minute. We'll get back to college football. We'll get to basketball. We'll get to the NFL in a minute. But I'm just grateful for Christmas movies. Every single night, Turn on the TV, Home Alone's on. It's great. Then Home Alone 2, he's lost in New York. What's he going to do? He's at the Plaza Hotel. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Are they going to catch him? Why is he hanging out with the pigeon lady? I don't really understand why she's a character in that movie. But I bring it up. Isn't it just great? Like, like we can spend all year watching our little Netflix shows and Tiger King 2 and this and, uh, you know, uh, Ozarks is coming back soon and I don't know what you guys watch and Succession apparently is a big deal I've never seen and people love Ted Lasso, never seen that easy either. But this time of year, isn't it just great? Kevin McAllister running through Central Park, lost in New York. Will Ferrell, elf. He's a human, but he was raised by elves. And he thinks he's an elf, but he's really not. And then he almost ruins his dad's career, but then he saves his dad's career, and then they love each other at the end, and he finds true love. What's better than that? I love Christmas music. I, I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas music, too. All I want for Christmas is you. But I'm just sitting here saying, when I was thinking about what I'm grateful for, I was up until I don't even know when watching uh, Elf last night. The night before, it was a Home Alone, Home Alone 2 marathon. I've watched parts of either Home Alone or Home Alone 2 probably at least, I don't know, 
uh, 15 times this month. Great month. Happy holidays. Really fun. I am grateful for Christmas movies. Let's get back to the sports segment of this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast and things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for crazy delusional college football fans. Okay, so I guess it would have been Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon. I'm recording on Thursday, so it was Wednesday. I'm running around doing errands, helping out, doing what I got to do. And I'm listening to an Ohio State podcast or a college football podcast. And I was not aware. Ohio State fans are furious right now, okay? And so the basis of Ohio, Ohio State fans are like really down this holiday season. I had absolutely no idea. But the genesis of why they're down is two things. One, they lost to Michigan and the defense stunk and it wasn't a very good year on the field. Then on top of that, they had a really quiet national signing day where they didn't really flip any marquee players, and they had one player, a top 50 recruit, Terrence Brooks, a corner from Texas, was committed to Ohio State, decides to flip and stay at Texas, okay? And apparently Ohio State fans are losing their minds despite the fact, check this out, they ended up with the number four class in college football. Only Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia finished ahead of them. Ohio State fans are furious. Didn't flip anybody on National Signing Day. One guy flipped the other way. They lost to Michigan, and it's chaos in the streets of Columbus, according to all these different college football podcasts that I've been listening to. And so it cracks me up. I love it. And this is what's so great about college football, right? And we're going to get to college basketball in a minute. I know we've done a lot of college football to start, uh, but this is what makes college football great. It is the delusion of fans. It is the uh, but delusion in a good way, though, right? It is the idea that there are 8, 10, 12, 15 fan bases in college football that are not going to accept mediocrity. Ohio State fans are going to be furious after you lose to Michigan for the first time in 15 years and want real answers. I guess it was 10 years, but whatever. First real time in about 18, 19 years if you factor in that Ohio State had an interim head coach the last time they lost to Michigan. But uh, that's what is so great about college football. The fact that LSU demands that their coach be fired 18 months after you win a national championship because they believe they should be competing for titles every year. The fact that Ohio State fans are furious because they only have the number four recruiting class in the country and didn't flip anybody. Uh, The fact that USC fans demanded better of their program. Miami fans demanded better of their program. Now, all these hires aren't going to work. They're not all going to be home runs. But that is what makes college football great. It's just the, the... the passion of the fans, the excitement of the fans. And when I saw this story that, oh, by the way, Ohio State fans are furious because they only finished number four in the recruiting rankings, it absolutely cracked me up. Number eight, what am I grateful for? Full fans in the stands. And this one's pretty easy, and this one's pretty straightforward. But I've had a chance now to go to a couple games uh, this fall. I went to an NFL game as a fan. I've been to a bunch of college basketball games. Haven't gotten any college football games because I host radio on Fox Sports Radio Saturday nights. But um, it's just so good to have fans back in the stands. And I give you guys so much credit for making the decisions for the owners and the people in charge really easy. Um, you guys are the drivers of sports. You guys are what make us gives gives people like myself the opportunity to do what I do, and so to to see on TV these incredible environments in college basketball, these incredible environments in college football. I was at the Gonzaga Duke game, which was as good of an environment as I've been in in college basketball in a long time. Um, it is just great to have fans back in the stands. I give you guys so much credit. You filled the stands. You proved. You showed that you are not afraid to show up, to be ready, to cheer, to yell, to scream. It is so great to have fans back in the stands in college sports and in the NFL and in the NBA as well. 
Number nine, what am I grateful for? Good neutral site college basketball games, okay? Because here's the thing, right, is uh, I don't want to be negative on this Christmas holiday episode. I do think we have a, 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 a entirely too many neutral site college basketball games that nobody cares about, right? Like I was watching the other day, Texas played Stanford in Vegas, and I swear to God, there had to be about 12 people in the stands. And I'm like, why are we playing this game? Why can't we just, can we just play one game in Austin and one game in Palo Alto? Or can we figure out a way to not play this game here? Or if you want to do a neutral site, maybe do it in Dallas or maybe do it in the Bay Area. So maybe some fans are incentivized to go. So I don't want to complain. I don't want to be a Scrooge about bad neutral site games. But great neutral site games are awesome. Um, You know, I just talked about Duke and Zaga. That game was fan-freaking-tastic. Few days before that, Gonzaga played UCLA. Great environment. Mark Few said it felt like an Elite Eight game with something on the line going to the Final Four. Uh, Gonzaga playing Alabama. Kentucky playing uh, North Carolina this past weekend in Vegas. It is great for, to have great neutral site games in college basketball. By the way, Oklahoma, Arkansas was awesome the other day. Memphis, Tennessee. I know that arena would have been awesome if that game had been played. And so I just bring it up because it is great to have fans back in the stands, but I do really enjoy neutral site games that are big that feel big and by the way that goes for football too uh the the you know the the cotton bowl the game at the cotton bowl the red river rivalry between texas and oklahoma is awesome obviously the world's largest outdoor cocktail party but i love a good neutral site game and so i was thinking about that as i was prepping as i was thinking about fans in the stands i was at duke gonzaga i was at gonzaga ucla i'm gonna be at some ncaa tournament games this year i'll probably be going to some regular season games as well i feel like a good neutral site game in college basketball Speaking of college basketball, you know who I'm grateful for? Number 10, a man who recently retired, and that is Jim Calhoun, okay? Don't know why Jim Calhoun made this list, but as I was watching College Hoops the other day, um, something kind of spurred my memory, and I started going back and kind of looking at Jim Calhoun's resume, and I was watching some old games on YouTube, the Allen versus Allen game for the old school fans, Ray Allen versus Allen Iverson in the 1996 Big East Tournament. This is the reason I love college college basketball specifically, and it's the reason I love sports, and it's because I grew up in Connecticut around the era of Jim Calhoun, and I still believe that he is the most underappreciated coach in college basketball history, uh, and I was sad to see him retire, but also very happy to see him to retire, knowing that he is leaving on his own terms happy and healthy. But for those people who do not remember how good he was, I said it when he retired, but here was his run from 93-94 to 2000, which was the toughest stretch maybe in Big East basketball history. 29-5, Sweet 16 in 94, 28-5 with an Elite 8 in 95, 30-2 with a Sweet 16 in 96, 18 and 15 and 97, 32 and 5 with an Elite Eight in 98, uh, 34 and 2 with a national championship in 99. This guy is the reason that I love college basketball. For people who have not followed his career, he was coaching at a D3 here over the last couple years announced earlier this month that he is going to step away and retire. The great part is there are no health issues. He just wants to spend time with his children, with his grandchildren, with his wife, play some golf. And so thank you to Jim Calhoun. I'm grateful. He was one of the, you know, if you put the Mount Rushmore of people that got Torres into sports and turned me into the person that I am, you know, besides my parents who obviously just encouraged me to be this quirky lunatic sports fan, Uh, Jim Calhoun, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Michael Jordan. There were a few other ones, but Jim Calhoun is at the top of the list. Other thing I'm grateful for, kind of on the same vein. Number 11, 
I'm grateful for the old school Big East because that also, that league was what got me into being a college basketball fan. And it's really interesting. Dana O'Neill from The Athletic actually has a new book out on the Big East. And you know what my plans are over the holiday break? When I'm not working, when I'm not podcasting, when I'm not hosting radio, I cannot wait to dive into that because the as great as the new school Big East is, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, um, there was just nothing like the Big East in the mid to late 90s, maybe even dating back to the 80s, where there was a few teams where every game mattered, Big East tournament, Madison Square Garden, trust me. I've been to many Big East tournaments. There is nothing like when the old school Syracuse fans used to pack the garden. One of our writers from uh, AT Media, uh, Zach Zach Kroll, was actually at the Syracuse uh, Villanova game at the garden a few weeks ago as part of the Jimmy V Classic. And he said, as great as the Champions Classic was, as great as some of the other events that he's been at at Madison Square Garden, nothing was a better environment than Syracuse fans blowing things out for the Jimmy V, and that's how it used to be every year at the Big East Tournament. UConn fans packed the place. Nova fans packed the place. Georgetown fans packed the place. Seton Hall fans packed the place. So shout out to old school Big East basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend a lot of things, but I'm telling you, I've, I've dove into this Big East book for just a little bit, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Number 12, how about the new school Big East? And, I, and I'm telling you, I've been watching a ton of college hoops. I know we haven't talked about it a ton on this show because, um, you know, there's just so much football going on. But the Big East this year is really, really, really fun. Um, I think Providence is awesome, okay? Providence went into UConn last week. UConn, sellout crowd, XL Center. It was really the first real UConn is back moment in the Big East because obviously last year there were no fans in the stands. And this was UConn's a top 20 team. Their sellout crowd, XL Center, Hartford, Connecticut, UConn's back, and Providence goes in and wins. Seton Hall is a really good team. The only game that they've lost so far, although technically they've now forfeited a few games, which is stupid, but we're not going to talk about that because it's a Christmas show. Um, Seton Hall is really good. The only game that they lost was to Ohio State when their best player, Miles Kale, went down with injury. Seton Hall's best player. Um, you know, Xavier is really good this year. I was talking to a coach friend of mine who, who believes Xavier's probably a little bit underrated. Nova got the win that they needed to. I still believe UConn's really good. Uh, they have three losses so far this season. The Providence one that I just mentioned, they lost by one at West Virginia without maybe their two most important players, Tyrese Martin and Adama Sinogo. They lost to Michigan State in a game after a two-overtime thriller against Auburn, which is still Auburn's only loss of the year. So I'm just telling you, there's about five, six, seven really good teams in the Big East this year. Uh, DePaul, we'll see if they can kind of maintain things. But this is probably the most interesting league in college basketball. And I would argue on a night-in, night-out basis. Now, the SEC is really good at the top. Big 12 is really good at the top. There's also some real dogs at the bottom. I don't think there's a conference in college basketball this year that's tougher than the Big East. So shout-out to the old-school Big East and shout-out to the new-school Big East as well. We're getting down the list. Number 13, here's what I'm grateful for. I mentioned Big East hoops. I'm also grateful for SEC hoops. By the way, shout out to me, okay? Nobody likes to brag more than I do. We're not doing where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong today. But I told you three or four years ago, I said the SEC is coming, man. The SEC is coming. All these schools are putting real money into basketball, and it's only a matter of time, and here we are. And I look up today on December 23rd and just think to myself, the SEC might be the most fascinating league in college basketball right now because if you just look at it from this perspective, I think there are three teams right now that could make a very compelling case that they are the best team in the league. Kentucky, they are now, I think, 9-2 and two after the Western Kentucky game. Back-to-back blowouts against Western Kentucky and against North Carolina. 
Auburn right now is coming off another nice win of their own against Murray State on Wednesday night at home in Auburn. They're 11-1. LSU is 12-0. I think those three teams all kind of believe they could be the best team in the league right now. Meanwhile, Tennessee is 9-2. They have the best win in the league beating Arizona on, on Wednesday night, even though the game was a dud, as I said, to start the show. Uh, beyond that, you have Alabama, which is struggling a little bit. They've lost their, their last two games, but they also have probably two of the three best wins in the league, beating Gonzaga in Seattle and then taking care of Houston at home. Florida's playing well. I think Mississippi State is interesting. South Carolina has exceeded expectations. And oh, by the way, Buzz Williams, Texas A&M Aggies are 9-2. and two. Now, they haven't played anybody great. They don't have any great wins. Best win is probably at Oregon State. But still, credit to Buzz Williams, credit to A&M. They're playing good basketball right now. So shout out to Texas A&M. Shout out to the SEC. Really, really, really interesting league. You know who else I'm grateful for? And this one's a little bit controversial. You guys are going to probably turn off the show and de, uh, you know throw your phone in the river if you're near a river. You know who I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for Will Wade, and I'll tell you why. Because LSU is really good this year. LSU is legitimately awesome. LSU right now, as we record, is 12-0. And I'm not sitting here saying they're going to win the SEC uh, because I don't know if they will. They haven't played anyone of super marquee status. Their best win is probably against Wake Forest. They also beat a pretty good La Tech team over the weekend on a neutral, on a neutral court. Uh, they did beat Penn State earlier in the year. But they don't have any great, great, great wins on their resume. But I bring it up for this reason. They are good. They do have real players. They have a kid named Tari Eason, who I think might be the, the front runner for SEC Player of the Year right now, averaging 17 points and 7.5 rebounds off the bench. I bring it up because LSU is really good. And it is going to drive people bananas when they continue to win games this offseason. I don't know what Will Wade has done. I know what he was accused of. I don't know what he's actually guilty of. I will also tell you, by the way, he got a bunch of guys out of the portal this summer that, uh, you know, frankly, anybody could have had. And so I just know that I am headed for a winter of tweeting nice things about Will Wade and you guys getting really, really, really mad. We'll see. I'm telling you, though, they're really good. They're a really interesting team. Can you imagine if that team went to a Final Four, by the way, this year, won the Final Fours in New Orleans? That would be insane. But two, Mark Emmerich having to hand him that trophy and say congratulations on getting to the Final Four. So Will Wade comes in at number 14. Number 15, another SEC coach. I'm grateful for Nate Oates dunking on Coach K last season uh, during COVID because I do think that was really a turning point for all of college sports as far as we have to figure out a way to get through this, okay? Uh, we all remember, but June, July, August, we're debating, should we play, should we not play? We decide to play, but some conferences aren't playing, so what happens from there? Then we get through it, we figure out a way, we get to basketball, we hit, have another surge last December, December of 2020, because of course there's going to be a surge, it's a virus, it's cold and flu season, and Coach K wants to cancel the season. Let's take a few weeks, let's take a break, we don't need to play, blah, 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 and Nate Oates says no. And I thought the points that Nate Oates brought up were so important, so interesting, because they were stuff that I was talking about on this show. Nate Oates, you know, first of all, he brought up the whole, uh, how many losses does Coach K have? If he was undefeated, would he be saying this? And I do think there was some truth to it, right? Because never forget, Coach K's got a pretty good team this year. Coach K isn't asking anybody to shut down the sport for him this year. So there's that element of it. But I thought the conversation that Nate Oates was having was the conversations that people were really having behind the scenes in college sports, pro sports, whatever, is that mental health is a real thing. 
These guys and girls, their only outlet to do anything other than get out of their room is to play sports, and we need to let them play. I thought that was important. I thought that was a turning point. And as we hit this next, you know, as we hit this next era of whatever COVID looks like over the next two, three, four weeks, we need coaches like Nate Oates to speak up. We need coaches to say that we need to play. We need to keep playing. I know the NHL, for example, decided to shut down in recent weeks, but I thought it was a great situation uh, earlier this week when Adam Silver said that he believes that the NBA has to find a way to keep playing. Nate Oates said it at this time last year, so I am grateful for Nate Oates. Let's rip through the last few ones. You know what I'm grateful for? Let's go back to college football. I'm grateful for meaningless bowl games, okay? Everybody tries to tell me, me they're so meaningless, no one cares, no one wants to play. Did you see that the graphic from ESPN the other day? Through Monday, bowl games are up 31% from 2019, okay? They're up 31% from 2019. You know what that means? For as meaningless as you may think bowl games are, or your friend, or the talk show radio host that you like or you don't like, people love bowl games. I don't understand the complaint. I don't understand why you're complaining because there's football on in the middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday. Be grateful, be happy, smile Scrooge. It is a, there's nothing, like what are we complaining about? We're complaining because Wyoming's playing, um, you know, San Diego State at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. That's what you're upset about, you Scrooge. Just enjoy the college football. If you don't want to watch, watch. If you, you know, if, if one of your favorite players opts out, let him opt out and protect his future if he's going to the NFL. But I love all these bowl games. I'm not going to say that I'm sitting there with a pen and pad taking vigorous notes during the Idaho Potato Bowl. But these bowl games are great. What are you complaining about? Speaking of bowl games, you know what I'm also grateful for? Number 17, the Hawaii Bowl. Every year, New Year's or Christmas Eve, set your watch to it. It's the only sport going on. There's nothing else in sports. And you get a couple teams, usually one of them is Hawaii, playing on Christmas Eve. Now, this year, I think it's interesting because I don't think they're allowing fans. I, Hawaii was the only school in college football that had no fans in the stands this year. And I think this game might be literally being played at like a local park. Uh, if you watch any of the Hawaii games during the regular season, they were basically playing the game at like a YMCA field in the back with like no bleachers and no stands and no fans in the bleachers. So I don't know what to expect from this year's Hawaii Bowl, but every Christmas Eve, it's something to have on in the background. It's really fun. It's really different. I love the tradition of it in the same way that, um, you know, Christmas Day, we get the NBA and New Year's Day, we get college football. I'm grateful to have the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve. Number 18, how about the NFL? Number 18, I'm grateful for parity in the NFL because I'm watching the NFL this season and I'm like, man, there's a lot of interesting teams and I don't know who's the best. I think it's probably the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers in a minute. But beyond the Packers, the Bucs are really interesting. The Rams all of a sudden are really good. The Cardinals have taken a step back without DeAndre Hopkins. And then there's the AFC where it's like, okay, the Chiefs are awesome, but they can't score. Uh, the Patriots are awesome, but they're afraid to throw the ball. The Colts just destroyed the Patriots. And I think we're setting up for an all-time great NFL playoffs because I don't think there's that one-two teams that are absolutely dominant. And right now, we're not even in a situation where we know who's going to get the one seed, who's going to get the bye, who's going to have to play on the wild card. Like, there's so many interesting elements to this playoff run. And so I am grateful for 
the parody in the NFL where any given Sunday, I have no idea what's happening. Even those middle tier teams are really interesting. The Bengals with Joe Burrow, the Bears with Justin Fields, um, San Francisco's coming on strong. So credit the NFL. I love it. I'm really into it. Number 19. Are you know who else I'm grateful for? Number 19. I'm grateful for Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I just love everything about this guy, right? Like, like I just go back and think back to the summer, and I, I, I think some of the stuff in the summer was a little bit over the top, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't love some of the way he handled things, but I didn't love some of the way the Green Bay Packers handled things. But for him to spend all summer basically telling the Green Bay Packers, oh, you think that you're more important than I am? You think that, you need, that I need you more than you need me? Well, let me come back and show you. And he's been awesome this year, and he's fun to watch every single week. And he's a guy like Tom Brady that seemingly is only getting better with age. Uh, the guy just turned, whatever, 38 years old. Uh, and he's, he's going to win the MVP again, 30 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. But I just love everything about the guy. I love the hair. I love the attitude. I love the swagger. I love how he doesn't care about the media. I love how he wears his cancel, cancel culture t-shirt like he did the other day. And I just love the fact that he tells it 100% like it is. I think we need more people in sports like this. I think we need more villains in sports. I think we need more guys that are willing to be the bad guy, that are willing to take the heat when people don't want to. And I just love everything about this guy and what he is about. Uh, I know I just said there's so much parody in the NFL. I do think the Packers are probably the favorite going forward. But I, I just like I, I just I, I'm enamored with this guy. I love watching him every Sunday. And I think it's so interesting that in a year where Brady has struggled the last few weeks, where Stafford has been up and down, where Mahomes has clearly regressed, where Lamar Jackson has clearly regressed, where Baker Mayfield has been terrible, where Joe Burrow has been up and down. I mean, you go on and on and on down the list. Aaron Rodgers is the same every week. Twenty one, you know, twenty five of thirty one, three hundred ten yards, three touchdowns. He is awesome. I love it. Finally, last one, number 20, we're here. And you know what I'm grateful for this Christmas season at number 20? Lastly, most importantly, I'm grateful for you guys and girls. Everybody that listens to this show, everybody that shares this podcast, everybody that reaches out to me privately, everybody that purchases Manscaped, everybody that signs up for DraftKings because you guys allow me to do what I do. And I know that not every episode you agree with everything I say. And I know that some of the COVID stuff the last few episodes has probably been exhausting. But you guys allow me to do what I do. And so I don't want to go over the top. I don't want to be too sentimental. I don't want to be too gushy. But I just hope that you guys know how truly appreciative that I am for everything that you do for me. Um, you know, it goes without saying that uh, coming into the fall, I had left Kentucky Sports Radio and decided to do my own thing. Coming into the fall, we had a normal season, so I didn't know how the numbers would be this year versus last year when I was one of the few voices that was arguing to play college football. And so the numbers continue to go up. The numbers continue to be steady. Uh, I actually got an email this morning, um, you know, from, from some sponsors that want to renew for 2022 I cannot do this without all of you guys. And so I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want to say I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. And I hope you know how much I appreciate what you guys do. All right, I think that's it for this very interesting, very different episode of the Aerotora Sports Podcast. I also say I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was something different. And like I said off the top, I just felt like today's not the day to do, oh my God, Tennessee, Arizona, the refs, let's yell and scream about it. Texas A&M canceled the Gator Bowl. What are we going to do? Like that's, we can do that stuff on Monday. We can do that stuff in 2022. We can do that stuff in early to middle of December. We don't need to do it 
36 hours before Christmas. So I hope you enjoyed this different episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I'll tell you what, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, and we're going to have to start talking college football playoffs. So really excited to do that. Really excited for next week. Uh, st- you know, I don't know if we're going to do two or three episodes next week. But what I will tell you is it is we are going to have a show on Monday as we always do. So before we get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Music, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're following all of the social media accounts. Torres on Kentucky, Torres on the Hogs, Torres on the Vols. Whatever your favorite team is, Torres on UConn, Torres on Arizona, a lot of great team-specific accounts. We'll have more in 2022, Uh, and that's really it. I want to thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all your support. Oh, one more announcement, by the way, Um, and this is kind of serious. Don't want to end the show on a super serious note, but obviously we've gotten into the merch game. Our Mike F. and Woodson tees are available. Big Pig Invasion is coming, Um, but we also have the Kentucky Revenge Tour tees, and obviously... Uh, Kentucky played on whatever it was Wednesday night against Western Kentucky. All of the proceeds uh, uh, for the Western Kentucky game went to tornado relief in Western Kentucky. And we have decided as a company, Aaron Torres Media, all proceeds from our revenge tour tees that are sold between now and Christmas. So make sure you buy it either on Thursday, Friday or Saturday. All of the proceeds for those T-shirts will go to Tornado Relief. So you can check that out at Aaron Torres online slash merchandise. But that is all for today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody has a great holiday. I hope you enjoy plenty of time with friends and family. I hope Santa brings you everything that you could have ever wanted. But that is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel Hates My Voice. Have a great Christmas. Shout out to Santa. Have a great Christmas. We'll be back on Monday. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.